On today's episode of Sports in the World Football Edition, me and Chris recap the NFL Divisional Rounds, the National Championship Game recap, we talk about Marshawn Lynch, the Houston Astros, Antonio Brown, some Hall of Fame announcements, and so much more. That's today on Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome into Sports and the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever your podcast can be heard, we both truly do appreciate it. And how are you, my man? Tired. Tired, tired, <laughs> tired. We got to have a real serious talk with this National Football College Committee about when they're going to do these title games, man. Y- yeah, <laughs> I... I I, I, you know, it it feels right that the weekend. I think, to me, because doing it on a Monday, like you know, I I get you know prime time and all of that, but I just think that people have to sleep. And those and that game ran till if you count the celebration to midnight. Yeah. And and so I think that's something they should revisit. Put it on a Saturday. There's no excuse for people not being late. Yeah, Something. yeah. Like I don't like I don't feel bad staying up that late on a Saturday, especially if I'm drinking and having a good time. You know, on a Sunday or excuse me, a Monday night. Like you know, I feel guilty because I kind of got to get up and go to work, man. And uh, I was sitting in traffic this morning, and uh, I, I stopped by Wawa on the way through before I jumped on the uh, the turnpike, and uh, I think that coffee was gone in about five minutes. I mean, I just just slammed. It was a Cuban roast too, so it was the high octane. Uh, and, uh, gotcha. Yeah, let me tell you, I am uh, dragging some ass, man. <laughs> well, let's hopefully we'll 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 try to get you. We'll try to undrag you a little. I know <laughs> I'm no expert, but we'll try. But and just let's let's just dive right on in with with with, with the NFL and depending. I'll leave it with this. It's just depending on what team you're rooting for. You were really happy in one half, and you were really disappointed in the other. <laughs> but so it was a roller coaster. But um, give me your thoughts on the NFL playoffs. Uh, every single game was great. Literally every single game. Um, to start off with the the Vikings and Niners, I expected the Niners to win not in the fashion they did. Um, I, I honestly, truly, truly thought that Cousins was going to step out of that Cousin-esque uh, shell that, that, he, that he was in and, and, you know, pull something off. But, I mean, the problem is the San Francisco defense is just so damn good. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's hard – to fight them, you know, uh, they, they completely shut Dalvin cook down. He had 18 total yards rushing 18 and eight yards receiving. That's 26 yards total in a game like that dude. Normally like 26 yards is the second play of the game for him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that it is. That it is. Uh, Thielen only had 50 yards on, on five receptions. Diggs had uh, 57 off of two receptions with a touchdown. Uh, that was their one and only TD in the game. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. You know, even uh, Rudolph, he had four reception yards. 
Um, they San Francisco came out. I like, like I said, I wanted to see the Vikings win just because uh, I, I just I really like Thielen and Diggs. You know how high I am on those two. Absolutely. And as much ball busting as I do on uh, Kirk Cousins, and same thing with him, man. Yeah, I, I ride high on him. Um, however, just the 49ers defense, they, they, they had a whole nother plan. You know, even Garoppolo, Garoppolo only threw for 131 yards and a touchdown and a, and a pick. Um, their, their method of madness was on the ground. You know, Coleman had 105 rushing yards. Uh, Raheem Mostar had 58 yards, you know, Coleman with the two rush TDs, uh, you know, it was it, it was just a very grinding game. Um, great nonetheless. I, I think out of the four, as entertaining as that game was, I honestly think it was the least entertaining out of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the one that blew me away is the Titans and the Ravens. I don't know. Uh, and one of my buddies actually brought this up. If, if Space Jam's real, the Titans are drinking the special juice right now. <laughs> you know, they came out in such an orderly fashion the first half. And they just, they boots to asses, man. Stone Cold Steve Austin style. The straight out boots to asses. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he only threw for 88 yards. But he got two touchdowns. Derrick Henry even threw for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> on top of his 195 yards on the ground uh, and his seven reception yards. I mean, <laughs> I just I don't I don't know how. <laughs> I I I honestly don't know how. Um, it was just just a great game all the way around. I mean, there's just no no way to say it. I think what happened is Baltimore saw that they beat, uh, yeah, that, that Tennessee beat New England, and it was like, ah, you know what? We beat New England. New England's washed up. They're old. They play in a shitty division. We'll we'll put the nail in the coffin. You know, it was it was a fluke. I think is what mm. they were saying. It was a fluke, and <laughs> they got fluked themselves. Um, Lamar Jackson did everything he could. He broke your cardinal rule of he threw more than 50 passes. And yeah, that he did. Um, they had no rushing game. Uh, Lamar had a great rushing game. He had 143 yards on the ground with another 365 in the air. Mark Ingram just, he didn't even bother showing up for class. He only had 22 rushing yards. Um you know, Marquise Brown on 126 receptions. He didn't get to see the end zone, but he had a lot of big, big grabs. Uh, you know, Sneed with 56, Hurst with uh, 53 and one touchdown. Um, but I, it wasn't so much of uh, the Titans. I, well, number one, the Titans played great, both sides of the ball, offense and defense. But we all know there's always a but when it comes in when I say that. But I think the problem was the Ravens' offense. I mean, how many times did, did we see Lamar hit people in the hands, in the pat? I mean, he pegged the one guy square in the shoulder with a ball. 
You can't yeah. ask for a tighter spiral. I mean, he threw a laser beam at this guy, and he just turned around and looked at it. Uh, there were a lot of dropped passes by these receivers that they just I, – I, I, I don't think they were ready. I, I don't think they took Tennessee as serious as they should have, and I think that's what costed them the game. Yeah, it, it uh, to me, to me, Chris. I think we talked about this in our chat, we chat on Facebook, and I think one thing that I said that they were very undisciplined. Yeah, and and, and it showed, you know, with Lamar Jackson getting that unnecessary penalty, very unnecessary. The play was already over, and it, Chris, it just felt, it just felt that Baltimore, like you said, I think Baltimore came in there. And saw that okay, they beat a pretty, they beat a down and out, you know, Patriots team. So you know we're the best team in football. We can beat them, and I think they underestimate them. And if we learned in the playoffs, even in life, if we learn about David and Goliath, you know, on paper, paper can say anything, but when you put it in action, other things can happen. And and I think that's what happened with Tennessee. And I'm not going to take away from Tennessee. Derrick Henry just played like a grown man. And there are a lot of grown men on that football field. He, 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 he played like a grown man. You know, he was deboing people all over that field. He used Earl Thomas as a blocker. And I'm like, I'm like, Jesus. At, At that point, I knew that, that's when the game was just that was it was done. When you have when you have Earl Thomas throwing blocks for you because he's just so confused on what's going on. I think it was just maybe one too many hits from Henry. Watching that man, so this is actually I think only the second no third game I've I've really sat down and watched Tennessee play. So number one, they're not in my market. So that's pro- the, and and you know the community I live in we're not allowed to have satellites, which is dumb. But uh, that, that's another story for another day. So I don't, I didn't, I never really got to see the Titans play a lot. You get to see a couple highlights here and there, you know, or, or just when I'm doing research for the show. But to really, so, so the first game I really got to sit down and just watch Henry and his madness was against the Pats. And I was like, oh shit, this dude's just a grown ass man. <laughs> and I mean, you know, the thing is, is Mark Ingram's like a big dude. And he makes Mark Ingram look like a child. He makes a lot of people look like a child. You know, I yeah. just, I, I didn't know how to to just wrap my head around all of that. But damn it, man, he was just bucking through people, mowing people down. I mean, he was. I mean, he stepped on like the same dude like two times. It was like, do you ever play? Uh, what was it on Nintendo sixty four? NFL Blitz. Yeah, I played that. Sure. All right, so you're like, you could just like stiff arm people and just. I mean, essentially just commit felony battery on somebody as you're running running down the field. That that was our boy, man. He just, dude, stud. Derrick Henry is a stud. With the way they're playing right now, Kansas City, watch out. You guys are hot. You guys are high-flying, and you guys are, are, are showy. But Derrick Henry will tire your defense out. He will tax your defense be ready. That's going to be a hell of a game. And then speaking of the Chiefs, their utter dismantlement of the Texans. <laughs> I 
I mean, Jeez. Houston's already in deep shit to begin with, just due to the fact of everything going on with the Astros right now. This just made things even worse, and now they're talking about hiring Jason Garrett. <laughs> I, I, I think people are moving. I think they need to call our buddy CJ and his moving company. I think yeah. they want to move out of out of Houston because yeah. it, it, ah Jesus. If y'all need it, movers are us on Facebook. Go get them. Because it, it, it was bad, and you know what, Chris? That's the game I actually watched more of. And, you know, it really felt that Houston, oh, they're going to do something. And then all of a sudden, something happened called the second quarter. And then the third quarter happened. And then, folks, you can see where I'm going with this. The fourth quarter happened. It just went from bad to worse in a very rapid succession. So I got, I think I started in on that game. I want to say, like, the last five minutes of the first quarter. So it's already 21 to 0. Uh, uh, Houston, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Because like I figured it would be a good game, and th- to be honest with you, I was uh, I was playing Xbox and I was whooping some ass on Call of Duty, so I was kind of high on that. So I didn't want to leave just yet because I was really curb stomping some people, <laughs> and um, you know, so I'm like, "All right," and then like I I switch over from the the Xbox to the to the um the cable box. And I look at the score, and I was like, oh, oh, shit, Houston, we've got problems. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, tw- like, did Kansas City just choke? Is is Andy Reid doing Andy Reid things? And then the second quarter happened, and I was like, oh, like, the Terminator has been activated. Like, that's how I feel, like, Travis Kelsey is like, was it Terminator 2 Judgment Day? When when it's like the shape shifting and uh, the T one thousand that like shape shifts into the cop, and he's just mm-hmm. like running full speed through everything. Like that was Kelsey that game. I mean, uh, dude. Yeah, it, it, it it's just like I say, like what like what Derek Henry. I mean, let's here's the thing with Travis Kelsey. He had ten receptions, one hundred and thirty four yards, three touchdowns. And that's the most receiving yards and receiving touchdowns in a playoff game as a tight end. More than Gronk, more than Jimmy Gr- it, it, It's Travis Kelsey. And, and, and here's the thing, Chris. If you want to go all time, listen, in Kansas City, that's the third most receiving yards in a Chiefs playoff game and the most receiving touchdowns. Chris, it just felt so methodical. And, and and I was like you, I Andy Reid's pulling Andy Reid thing. But all of a sudden, I think I said this early in the year. I said, this is a, I think I said in one of the earlier podcast episodes, I said, this is the best team Andy Reid has ever had. And that's including those teams he had in Philly. Because of the fact that he had a, he has an all-time talent as a quarterback. And he if that defense figures out, and that defense figured out things in that second half, and I, that Tennessee Kansas City game is very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, that's that that's gonna be a that's gonna be one of the better games of the entire season. I think um, Tennessee is playing with everything to gain and nothing to lose. Uh, I think I think I said it in my uh, uh, in our little group chat thing is that Tennessee kind of reminds me 
of me in our fantasy league. I barely snuck into the playoffs. I really had no business. I was going in on the lowest record. And I had everything to gain and nothing to lose because I almost didn't make it. It, it. it took down to week 14 for me to get that was what finally secured my spot. Um, you know, compared to my other league by week by week 12, statistically, I was already locked in for the playoffs. Uh, so they're going to they're firing on on all cylinders and they're going to give everything they can at Kansas City. Um, so that's going to be a great game to watch. And then last but not least with the Seahawks and Packers, um, there's only so much Russell Wilson can do on his own. Yeah. You know, uh, and I hate always making accusations of refs being involved. Uh, there were a couple situations where I think that they may have helped him out a little bit. And I think we all know which, what, what we're talking about. Um, uh-huh. if, if for some godforsaken reason that Green Bay gets a questionable call over San Francisco and they win, and that if Kansas City makes it in by a questionable call, then I'm just going to go ahead and say this is 100% orchestrated by State Farm, and they've been giving us subliminal messages uh, for commercials for the past year. Yeah. All, <laughs> like, like some real black ops subliminal shit right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you know, I the more and more I thought about that, and I said, "Listen, if you have all state, you're going to switch." So, it, <laughs> it, like, you know what? I I did I did like all state, but but you know, listen, that's State Farm. I mean, I mean, it, it, I, I I think Chris, I I, I want to start there because I'm a huge Russell Wilson guy, as you know. I yeah. I, I love I love Russell Wilson, and watching that game, it just felt that. This, this man was running for his life, and he got like if you look at that score, twenty to twenty three, Chris, it didn't feel like that. It didn't. It didn't really feel twenty eight twenty three. It didn't feel that close for a while. And Russell Wilson doing Russell Wilson things. Listen, twenty one to thirty one, two seventy seven and a touchdown. He was the leading rusher with sixty four yards. I mean, only thing he could have asked him to do was play defense and lead the team in sacks and interceptions. He and then kicked field goals. He pretty much does the Seattle offense, and and this is the second game, you know, to have the second game in his career, 250 yards passing and 50 yards rushing in a playoff game since 2012. I've said it once, and I'll say it again, Chris. He's the most underrated quarterback of the last 15, 20 years. No, he he really is. I I I ride just as high on him as, as you do. Um, I, he just, he needs help. I mean, he, he, he can only do so much with that team. You know, it's, it's pretty much the Russell and, and Lockett show. And there's only so much he can do. The offensive line was sparse at best defense. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a hell of a quarterback, but I've seen them play better, Uh you know, uh, I would say against better teams, i.e. San Francisco. Um, but yeah, it's uh, unfortunately, you know, there can only be one winner in a playoff game and I, and, and Green Bay just wanted it more, I think. And, uh, you know, hats off to Rogers. Um, unfortunately for them, they got to go through, uh, you know, Jimmy G and San Fran in San Fran. And I think that's a huge, 
um, facet for San Francisco. Because I think if they went to Lambeau Field, A, it's significantly colder. Uh I think the weather plays a huge factor for a lot of these teams like the Dolphins and the Bucks, the, the Rams, the Chargers, the 49ers. They're not used to playing in these these miserably cold conditions. So they have that advantage. And Green Bay is just a loud place. So I think with with them playing at home in San Fran might give them the edge a little bit. Um, but all in all, it was just it was such a damn good weekend for the playoffs. I, I think overall, I think this is one of the better years that I can remember for all four games were actually good. Not that it was just one and then it was a landslide and the other one, just all the way around. I think that was just a, uh, a great matchup and I'm looking forward to the conference games next year or uh, for next week and then the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, at this point, so if, if you had to call it right now for the NFC, so you've got the Niners and green Bay, who do you think uh, walks away? You know, you know, I I like Aaron Rodgers, I really do. But that San Francisco, I know Kyle Shanahan, and I know his offense because it was our offense in Atlanta. Yep. I, that San Francisco team, there, I can, I think, I can say unequivocally that they're the most well-rounded team left in these playoffs. And I feel, and and, and I'll put it this way, consistently consistently the most balanced team and they had a couple of fluke losses but but chris the way they played against listen that minnesota team is not shabby at all and i i really like san francisco i really do there's there's a part of me that says trust aaron but there's a part of me is saying that i think that defense under robert silly that defense all year has been very good nick both a lot of first round picks on that defense so I, I like San Francisco out of the NFC. And who do you like out of the AFC? <sighs> the AFC, you know, I – so to, I get to the NFC. I guess let me answer my own question on that first. We'll jump over. Okay. I, I agree with you with Shanahan and all of the, the voodoo mystery work that uh, that he can do. I think the only difference – is it's going to come down to the quarterback and it's going to come down to game management. And this is the Jimmy G hasn't been here before. He has under Brady where he sat on, on the bench and had a clean jersey and held the clipboard for Belichick. But I think it's different when you, it, it's kind of like when uh, in the first Star Trek movie, when, uh, when Chris Pine's character first becomes the captain of the Enterprise. It's a little different from the academy to uh, to to ha- being at the helm. I think Green Bay walks out a winner in San Fran. I don't think it's Ooh. by much, but I think that with Aaron Rodgers' experience, I think that is what is going to be the benefactor. No matter how good a defense can be, Aaron Rodgers, for some god, for he finds ways to win. If he can't make the pass, he'll put it on the ground. If he can't do either one, he's going to get inside that defense's head and start calling audibles and calling all this weird shit at the line to get him to jump. Or when it's like third and two and he needs that extra, you know, couple yards to get the first down, he's going to call that uh, uh, 
that quick snap and get and get the penalty. He just he he understands the game. He's he's very he's very smart. He's one of the he's one of the smarter quarterbacks. I he's very smart on top of athletic. Yeah, that he's probably, he's he's very smart. Yeah, I think so I, I I think that's what gives the edge to to Green Bay on this one, and then for the AFC, <sighs> I almost just want to flip a coin and whatever I call it, call it. I I don't know with that one because you have the Kansas City Chiefs, which are just a a fast firing offense, and then you have uh, the the Titans, which will just grind you. So, I don't know. You know, that can go either way um, because the Titans can go march down the field, hold the ball for 10 minutes and score, and then the Chiefs can get the ball and score three touchdowns in three minutes. They proved that against the Texans. But then I'm wondering, you know, the Texans are a good team, but were they that good? Were they playoff quality or was it just they lacked the divisional talent? And and got to, and got the easy road in, kind of honestly like the Patriots. The Patriots got the easy road in because of the lack of quality in their in their division. So um, uh, I don't know. I think what that comes down to is if Tennessee can play the same defense they did against the Ravens, I think they win. If they slouch on defense five percent. Kansas City is going to exploit it and just run, run, run. You know, and you know, I I, I agree. The, the biggest thing for me, Chris, is for Tennessee. I think if one of the great about coaching is is that if you can take away, it's not like the NBA. In the NBA, you take away one player, you have to force somebody else to beat you. You yep. know, if you if you take away LeBron James and you got to force one of those other four dudes because you know in your head that none of those four dudes you'll or better yet you'll let LeBron score all he wants because you know nobody on that team can score at least fifteen points. And I and going using the NFL equivalent, if you take away Derrick Henry, there's nobody on that team that can run the ball and get even fifty yards. Oh hell no! There ain't there ain't no one in the NFL that can run like he can. And if you take away Derrick Henry. Or better yet, you let Derrick Henry run. You let him get his yards. But situationally, you have to make those third downs, make them third and five and above. Make Ryan Tannehill beat you. That's the key for the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a great, great pass rush. That Frank Clark move, that trade from Seattle, it's proving dividends. He had a great game against Houston. The key to that game to me, Chris, is that Kansas City defense basically shutting down Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill beat, beat you. Because you can, if you lose, you can, you can say, you can walk away. You don't want to lose, obviously. But you can walk away and say this. Well, I lost to Derrick Henry, just like New England did, just like Baltimore did. But you don't want to walk away saying, man, Ryan Tannehill beat us. I think that if you can walk away and say Derrick Henry beat us, you'll take it because you did you did all you can. Yeah, but, and it's and it's Derrick Henry. He doesn't have this negative persona that that Tannehill that it's not even so much that Tannehill has. It's what Ryan Gase gave him. Yeah, it's you know, it, and and what happened in Miami with Adam Gase, you know, it just proved that it was not Ryan Tannehill's fault. 
And I still, and I can, I, I can argue, Chris, that Tenhill was not fully healthy. And I'm not defending Ryan Tenhill because he got hurt in his career in Miami. And I'm not defending, you know, I'm not one to defend people, you know, but it just showed what a, a healthy Ryan Tannehill could do. And if you look what he did before the postseason, I think Mike Vrabel realizes that, look, he realized, I think, in the middle of that New England game that Derrick Henry is going to has to win us the Super Bowl. Because, not because he doesn't trust Tannehill, Chris, I just think that quarterbacks are limited. He's like Alex Smith, a Trent Dilfer. It's not you're not knocking them quarterback wise. You're knocking them because they're limited in their skill set, in terms of you know how they throw the ball down vertically. Ryan Tannehill, you know he could throw a couple of our like you mentioned a couple of them artillery dart. He can throw, but it's the matter of can he do that at least thirty times a game? But he hasn't had to. Yeah. That's what that's what Kansas City has to has to do because listen, Eric Benemy, Andy Reid, those offensive guys. Listen, that Chiefs offense, that's like instant rice, Chris. That's just like, I mean, that's just like you put something in the microwave and next thing you know, it's done. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. You turn your back, all of a sudden, it's a 70-yard touchdown. This offense is very, like I say, best offense Andy Reid has ever had. Ever had. It's just that defense, they figured out, Chris, and they have. And they went out and got a pass rush. And I, you know, as much as Tennessee reminds me of that Baltimore team back in like 2000, like the early 2000s, yeah. that, that, you know, had, you know, Trent Dilfer, had Jamal Lewis, and a great defense. I just look at this Kansas City Chiefs team, Chris, and I just say, I, I find it hard to believe that the Andy Reid, Andy Reid is going to the Super Bowl because of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I absolutely. think that. This is the best, and and before we move on, it's like, and we're going to talk about baseball a little later, but it's like baseball, where, listen, certain games, certain situations, some people are better than others. And and I think that with Andy Reid, yeah, he's faltered a little, but what I will say, Patrick Mahomes has proven how big he can play in the playoffs. He led this team, Chris, this team was down, like you say, 21 Listen, they outscored the Texans 28 to nothing in the second quarter alone. Yeah. And they reeled off 41 consecutive points. Uh, name an offense the last 25 years they've been able to do that. Yeah, I, I, some teams can't come back. Um, I would say a majority of the teams can't come back from a 21-point deficit anywhere. Uh, you know, and then the fact that he did it in one quarter and then some and then put – a total of 51 on the board. Mahomes, he's he's not a human being, man. He he might be part cyborg, man. This might be Skynet activating. It's it's and the thing is, you know, when they say with Vince Carter, shout out to Vince Carter, first player to play in four different decades in the NBA. It's kind of like what we it's that uh, he's had it's, it's the same thing. Patrick Mahomes is half man, half amazing. It's when when you show up to it's kind of like you used to Tiger Woods. It's like with Tiger Woods. I don't know how big you are in golf. Oh, dude, love it. It's like with Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods back in the day. It was a Sunday. He had a lead. It was a major. He had on that red shirt. And Chris, intimidation. Yep. Intimidation. When you see Patrick Mahomes on the other side of that ball, if you're a defense, you're like, 
the battle of battles half lost. It's because it, because he comes in and he just does things, throws the ball behind his back. He's like the Harlem Globetrotters for God's sake. Yeah, he 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 does a lot of weird shit that the average person just couldn't do. And, and, and he just and he does it with just it looks like with just minimal effort. Yeah, it, it just seems like he doesn't sweat. It's just like that's 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 a Tuesday for him. I mean, it's you know what would you know for us would take a year to do. It takes that's a Tuesday for him. Yeah, no shit. And so, and with with that, you know, I just want to touch on Lamar Jackson, and and I know people have been, you know, I'm not going to take away. He 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 was the MVP of this of this league, and I think what happened, and I just want to touch on that before we move on, is is that you know yeah they play I think the Titans you know very good football team. But here's the thing, you know, he had the most rushing yards with 350 yards passing, most passing yards in the playoff for the Ravens, second most rushing yards in the playoff. What happened to Lamar Jackson is, and listen, and I think what happened, and this is where I say blame, because everybody blames, whether it's a company, and a company, who do we always blame? It's like, we, we, we blame leadership. Yep. We, can, we can't blame the guy in the mail room. We can't blame, you know, the woman in accounting. You know, we can't blame, we blame leadership, even though it's a machine. But people want to cut the health machine and think, oh, we'll put something on it and it'll work. No. It's just like with your body. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I eat salads all day, but do you exercise? You can eat a bowl of kale and what are you getting? And, and with the Ravens, you know, listen, that, that defense didn't do – that defense allowed those yards, by the way. Yep. And That's I said, the, thing so, is the, the defense allowed it, and uh, Lamar's job is to throw the ball effectively and deliver it to the receiver in a timely and effective manner to where he can catch it. He was literally pegging people with the ball. You can't ask for more precise uh, throws – than what he did. I mean, but here we are. And yeah, people yeah. are going to blame him and, and, and talk all this shit about him. You know, where, where was his receivers when he was throwing the ball and it hit him in the hands or it hit him in the, uh, the wherever, you know, I mean, he put the, the ball where it needed to go and they failed to, to, to do their job, and that's to catch the damn thing. So it, it, it was it was bad, and 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 one of the things is, is that listen, it's one of those things where listen, winning MVP, Chris, do you know the last time that the last player to win the MVP who won the Super Bowl in that same year? Probably that dickhead Tom Brady. Actually, Kurt Warner. And that was in 1999. Oh, wow. All right. The last time an MVP won a Super Bowl that same year. And, and, and it speaks to the fact that, I'm not trying to say it's a curse, but it speaks to the fact that we can sit here and, and blame Lamar Jackson. He's the quarterback. That's fine. But, you know, even I think even I ribbed him. We all, because of the fact that he's a quarterback. And he stood at that podium, Chris, and he was super calm. He... He took accountability when it should have been that defense that did. Because the last time the defense gave that much that rush yards to one running back, Chris, you have to go back all the way to 2013 
to Super Bowl 47. That's the last time the Ravens gave up that many, you know, and that was 110 yards to Frank Gore. But the Ravens still won that Super Bowl, though. That was the most rush yards they gave up by an individual. They gave it to an individual player. So at some point, it's the defense. And listen, Earl Thomas is your best block. You know, essentially, I'm surprised the Titans didn't call for 12 men on the field. Because if because <laughs> you're counting, you're like, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, there's 11. Wait, is that Earl Thomas? Does he play for the ref said, okay, he has a Ravens hat on. So, so, so. Even though he's, even though he's blocking. Even though he's blocking, it, it'll, it'll work. And, and just a quick note before we transition. I, I know there was an announcement. I think at the Chiefs game, they ran out of fireworks. Yeah. And, and, and look, I'm, listen, you're a billion dollar. Look, I'm not here to tell you how to run your business. But you know what, Chris? You know where they could have got some fireworks from? You know where they could have got some from? And, and you know, and and I'll I'll give I'll give Andy Reid the number. <laughs> yeah, they could have, but you know, they could have went. They could have went to Ohio because listen, they weren't doing much scoring in, in Cincinnati this year. They had plenty of fireworks. Yeah. They had plenty of fireworks. So, and speaking of fireworks in the transition, and speaking of fireworks and transitioning and not running out of things, like you know, I can understand running out of chicken. That's happened. It's like going to Olive Garden, running out of breadsticks. Your commercial said, you know, you know, you're unlimited. Unlimited. limited. So call the truck. And and speaking of calling the truck and calling people, Chris, that national championship game, it, it really felt like Clemson was in it for maybe 20 minutes. And then, and then all of a sudden, LSU did LSU things. And give me your thoughts on just – one of the just just to cap off an amazing season. Well, <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I so right out of the gate, Clemson scores, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, this you know, and then LSU you know gets one, and I'm like, okay, all right, you know, go they're going back and forth, and then the second quarter happened. At that point, at halftime, I knew this game was over. It's like you said, LSU doing LSU things. And I, I get all, oh, you know, you're just biased. Look, dude, proof's in the pudding right there. Um, A, that just shows how terrible Ohio State really was, 100%. Yeah. Because Clemson worked them like a, like a puppet show. It was like, I, I know that 90s music is one of our favorite things to reference. It's like the music video from NSYNC, Bye Bye Bye. And when at the beginning, when they're all little puppets and that little bitch is, is puppeteering them, that's what Clemson did to Ohio State. I mean, they, they just ruined them. And then LSU comes in and just blows the doors off of Clemson. Um I saw a lot of people that were like, oh, you know, Clemson's got this and, you know, LSU just that not that great of a program. I want to say that Clemson now, that's the fifth team LSU beat in the top five in one season. It, 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 that I, I, it, that it, speaks it, volumes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that speaks volumes in itself. Uh, and, you know, they didn't the, – I think the thing was is that – um, Clemson's offense works incredibly well for them, 
And I, I, there's absolutely no discredit. I'm not just going to sit. They've they have national championships, so I'm not going to bag them on that. But I think what it was is that Clemson's offense is is two dimensional. Trevor Lawrence and uh, oh, what's uh, Eddie Eddie? How do they're oh, oh, uh, oh Etienne Etienne? They will run it down your throat, and the moment that they're successful at that, that he'll uh, Trevor will drop back and just start and, and hit the air raid offense and start bombing you. The problem was is they contained Lawrence and Etienne and couldn't they, they couldn't run like they normally did. I mean, granted, both of them had uh rushing touchdowns. Neither one of them capped a hundred yards rushing. Uh, you know, Trevor didn't throw one through the air. You know, he only threw for uh two hundred and thirty-four yards. Um luckily, uh, there were I wanna say Two to three passes that Trevor's lucky that that he didn't get picked off. One of them was at the line, and uh, if that uh, if that guy would have picked it, that would have been a pick six, no question asked. Um, but I think what happened is LSU saw that this is their plan: play man up, keep your linebackers almost in a spy position to where they can follow the quarterback, they can follow the wide out or uh, excuse me, the running back. And it, like that one play, I want to say it was in the third or beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, Lawrence rolled out right on an RPO and he pitched it off. Number one, he took a hell of a hit. And then the secondary linebacker was just right there and blew Etienne out of his shoes. I mean, he just blew him right out of his shoes. It, it, it was like, ooh. It was yeah, like, <laughs> that, that, was, that was a hard-hitting game. I. LSU came right. See, the, the beautiful thing is, is that LSU plays so much talent during the year. And again, yeah, this is so you can call it bias, but it's factual because we have more bowl wins. We have a winning record against every conference, more national titles than every other conference. The list can just go on and on and on and on. Um, but you have a team like LSU who plays a gritty run down your throat offense like Alabama that has a quarterback like Tua, who's I would say more mobile Well, not currently in his current status, but I would say healthy. I would say he's more mobile than, than Lawrence and can throw, I would say more accurately on the run than Lawrence. Um, you have an Auburn offense and an Auburn team that's just got so many goddamn tricks up their sleeve that you don't know which way the sun's going down. You've got a Georgia team that just plays a lot of power offense with a very strong quarterback arm. And then you have a Florida team who will run the ball down your throat. You have a, a emerging quarterback like Kyle Trask that just came out throwing every which way. He can throw the seven-yard bullet pass on the slant, or he can throw the 60-yard bomb to to Van Jefferson into the end zone. And then you have a defense like Florida, which I th- arguably I think is is the second best defense in the, in the SEC. I'm going to say LSU has the best defense just because, well, they, they've won all their games. Um, but, you know, a lot of that also has to do with their offensive production. But LSU plays so much competition. They've, they've already played Clemson a couple times this season. They've played the mobile quarterbacks with Tua. They played the trick plays with with – 
Auburn, the power offense of Georgia, and then just the the insanity that Florida can bring to the table with all the weird shit that we can pull off. I think they were ready. They studied game film, and they figured out if they can keep Lawrence in the pocket and make him throw, they have the big corners, they have the big safeties, and they can play physical. I think that's one of the things that lacks in the ACC is physicality. You have essentially one team in the ACC that's relevant, and that's that's Clemson. Virginia, Wake Forest, Florida State, uh, uh, Miami, <laughs> you Jeez. know, uh, they're nobody. You know, you're not you don't you're not playing a tough schedule. And um, it's like I said, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. I've been saying that all season and Clemson made it back to the national title after winning one. And in true fashion, they got to defend their title. And unfortunately, someone came rolling in there like Brock Lesnar his first time in the WWE and just started handing out ass whoopings everywhere. It, it was, you know, you know, Brock F-fiving everybody in a minute. Yeah. How you doing? Mr. Lesnar, boom. It, 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 it was, I, I think, Chris, you brought up a very good point. And I think it's important for the listeners to to get what you're saying because and I think we've talked about this. So I think you have a lot more who you play. You know, it not just matters, but sometimes you can see the same thing down the road. And I think there were there was no team that Clemson played all year to prepare them for Joe Burrow. Absolutely. Was, I I think the toughest team they played all season was Wake Forest. And that's and, not saying a lot. And 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 they blew the doors off of it. Because remember I said yeah. if, if Clemson could blow the doors off of people, you know, they're a very good team. And, and they are. And, but I, I think, Chris, it speaks to the ACC. Listen, it speaks to physicality. But, Chris, I also, I also, it also speaks to coaching. I, I all, and I think we could agree that, listen, the SC, listen, SEC money is good money. You know, look at LSU. LSU went out and got, went to the NFL and got Joe Brady to help Joe Burrow, you know, as a passing game coordinator. Look how great Joe Burrow's become. You got an NFL guy who's worked with Drew Brees in that same building, by the way. Yeah. And actually, you know, at least one team in New Orleans, one team in Louisiana actually won in that building. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Saints fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if Chris can be salty, I can be salty. It's in the contract. So, But the point is, is, is that, yes, he, you know, Coach O, big Coach O's car sales, he went out and got Joe Brady because he won. On it to get the offense better, Chris. Joe Burrow has no a more touchdown pass than LSU had in the last four years. Chris, he's the LSU is becoming the team that the one thing the SEC had to do, Chris, was evolve offensively because it was always the run, it was always you know great defense, and that's great. But if you can culminate that and coincide that with a good offense, Chris, there was no team in LSU. There was nobody who came close to LSU all year. Because not only, did, not only did they play great defense, but they played great offense because they invested in it. It's like with any of your stocks or your bonds, what you put into something, you're going to get a return if, yep. you know how to, if you know how to work it correctly. You know how to get a great return. And, and, to, see, and to see LSU and to see, to see that team. And listen, we're Florida, you know, we're Gator, you know, we're Gator guys for life. But to see that moment, to see Coach O, who's from Louisiana, and one of the things, Chris, is that one of the things that as a coach, 
it's one thing. It's not just about selling your kids on your philosophy, Chris. You have to sell them on you. It's like you have to market yourself. Yeah. If, you, if you think about it, Coach O, and I said it early on, this dude was a terrible coach at Ole Miss. He was a, you know, he was an interim coach at USC. He didn't get the head job. He gets this LSU job. Everybody's questioning, but what Coach O was great at, he's always been great at, is recruiting. Yep. And he's always been a great recruiter. Even go look at USC. When he's at USC, we complain about coaching, but we could complain about the recruits. And I say, at the end of the day, Coach O went in there. He sold them on the listen. I'm one of you. I am LSU. I'm yep. Louisiana. And Joe Burrow mentioned it at the back end of his Heisman speech. How much Coach O means to him. Yeah. And he. And, it it's like with uh. You, even Dabo, you know, Dabo to a, a degree of extent, he invests into his kids. Uh, as much as I hate the asshole, Urban Meyer, you know, uh, another another great uh, Nick Saban. I think Nick Saban just ties their families up in his basement and is like, if you don't win a national championship, I'm just going to execute you. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, like, buff, like Buffalo Bill South of the Lambs type stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dan Mullen, you know, look at, look at the commitment that, that Mullen is being able to pull. Cause he's like, Hey, like we're, we're going to do this. If you, you give me the opportunity and you, you, you follow my lead, I'll bring us somewhere. And, you know, all those are on the bull tigers. Just listening to him talk. is just so great. I'm like, okay, coach. Like a fucking caveman talking, but yeah. you know, and good I, for him, man. Uh, good for, for LSU winning, keeping the title where it belongs in the SEC. And, uh, you know, we we're officially starting another decade of SEC dominance. And you're absolutely right. And and here here's the thing with 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 uh, with LSU and Joe Burrow. Here's a couple of things Joe Burrow did this year. I'm not gonna list all the records, but you know, single season record for most touchdown passes, 60. Most touchdown responsible for in a season, 65. Total touchdowns in a national championship game, including you know the beat and and the college football. You know, six of those. Total combined yards in a national title game, 521. He beat Deshaun Watson's record of 478. But Chris, uh, here's the thing, Chris. He threw an average of four touchdowns per game, one per quarter. That's what he averaged. And and mind you, he'd always hit the average. But listen, we know how math works, you know, and teachers work. You know, like, listen, if you just do really well here, you can slack here. And even mm-hmm. when he, he, he did really well in some games, and maybe he slacked here, but the average it all rounds out. But here's the fact that I know you'll love, Chris. He had 14 touchdowns in his postseason run. And, you know, here's the interesting thing, Chris. Those were more than the Big Ten and the Pac-12 <laughs> has produced in the, in the history of the playoffs. Because the Big Ten... 13 touchdowns, the Pac-12, 11. And it, 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 it speaks to that one man outbeat every comp, and, and it speaks to what I always talk about. You know, I always preach about, you know, passing attempts, 
but I use that with certain quarterbacks. Because you you never heard me say that about Patrick Mahomes. Because why? Because it works. Because I've looked at the data. You know, I thank the people at, you know, sp- you know college football sports reference who helped me all year long. Chris, I did the numbers. It works better when Patrick Mahomes throws. You know, he could throw 50, 60 times. I have no problem. He's like that pitcher who can go 10 innings. Okay, but with Saber metrics and all that jazz, you try to limit it. I'm not going to get into the whole thing because that really pisses me off. But the point is, is, is that with certain quarterbacks and certain players, it works. With Joe Burrow, him throwing the ball, throwing the rock around, it just worked. You know, Jamar Chase, nine receptions, 221 yards, two touchdowns. He's tied for ninth for the single season FBS receiving touchdowns in a, a 20. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 164 yards from scrimmage. Chris, he's the sixth SEC player since the year 2000 with 1,400 rush yards, 15 rushing touchdowns, and six yards per attempt. Just the yeah, year you, 2000. You can't, like, you can't make this shit up. And, and and Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's kid. Shout out to Randy Moss for being Stunt. in that building. Still in the building. And, you know, cash money, Randy Moss. You know, even his son had five receptions. He had two touchdowns. Here's the, here's the thing, Chris. His dad, you know, Randy Moss, he's second on that list I mentioned for single-season FBS receiving touchdowns with 26. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think Randy Moss's career turned out okay. You know, he has some kind of jacket. He's in Canton somewhere. You know, you guys can look it up. But here's the thing about LSU. Offensively, if this doesn't culminate at Chris, I don't know what does. They own the FBS record for the most points in the season, 726. 726. Chris, they played 15 games. They went – and, and, and that beat the record of – uh, you know, the 2013 FSU team, which was no slouch offensively either. Nope. So, so here, here, the thing is, Chris, and like you said, and I'm just going to piggyback what you said. You know, we can criticize the SEC. People say we're homers. You, I know you've heard it. I've heard it. You know, but listen, facts are facts. You know, you know, you can't dispute the fact that, listen, what the SEC, we're already great. We were just great before this. But now, you look at teams like LSU. Look at look at Florida. Look at these teams that were playing offense. You know, these quarterbacks looking like pro quarterbacks. You know, you, you don't get really great quarterbacks coming out of the SEC. That's just factual. You know, great defensive players, great receivers like OBJ, Jarvis Landry. You know, OBJ handing out fake money like he's the Treasury Department. But the mm-hmm. point is, is that you know, but but the point is, is that the SEC, it's about evolution, Chris. It's about evolving. You know, I think why some people survive and some people fail is evolution. I'm not talking about the whole Darwinian thing. So don't send me, you know, don't go to at Sports World on Twitter, Instagram, or the Facebook page at Sports in the World and, and say, oh, he talked about creation. No, no, no. I mean evolution in the concept of looking at an idea and making it better. And I think that's what LSU did. LSU, Chris, when I thought of LSU, I thought of Les Miles. I thought of, you know, Fournette running the football, ground and pound, and an average quarterback. But all of a sudden, Coach O comes in with hong long ding dong and he comes in. Go Tigers. And go Tigers. That's the best. Oh, my God, it's great. That's, if that doesn't sell you on who Coach O is, folks, I don't know what will. But 
he went out and like I said, he went out and invested expensive SEC money and got a and got a guy who understands offense. You know, along with another guy who understands offense. And you get seven hundred and twenty six points. It's about evolution, Chris. Yep. It's about evolution. You know, it's about if the Big Ten and you talk about the ACC's problem is the Big Ten's problem has always been they're just not fast. Like, no, like, you'll get you'll get your big old country boy. You're not country boys. The big old corn-fed linemen out of out of the Big Ten, and they they go on in the NFL and do great things. And you know you got to be able to evolve outside of your conference. Go if you can win. It's one thing to win your conference. If you, if you can step out and play a team and beat them that you're not playing once a year for the past 150 years and you pretty much know their playbook inside out. Um, you know, that that's, I think, big, uh, the Big Ten's biggest failure is their lack of competitiveness. In, well, number one, in their conference, and then outside of it. They don't venture out to play, uh, you know, open season openers against good teams. Instead, they'll go after FAU or go after someone to beat beat up and pad their stats up. And it's living proof, and, and this national championship proves it, is if you don't play tough competition all year long, you're not and – I, and I get where some people's fact is, well, it's the Big Ten. We don't have control of our schedule. I get that, and you're 100% right. You have to play Indiana and Purdue and uh, Iowa and Northwestern. I get that. You know, you got some, uh, you know, Penn State's hanging in there. Uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, you know, they're there, but they're not. Um, you know, for your season openers, go play Oregon. Go play USC. Go play uh, Florida State or Florida or uh, Miami, Auburn, you know, Mississippi State. So don't beat up on your your, your – cross down community college and that was living proof is that clemson was not prepared for the type of of assault that lsu was getting ready to commit ohio state was not ready for the type of assault that clemson was willing to commit you know and and, and that shows right there so you know strength and, and this is the thing that bothers me is you got these teams that have oh our schedule is so tough I, by what fucking metric are you rating this from you know, uh, and it proves that, you know, they say that there's SEC bias, but I mean, they practically forced some teams into the playoffs and they just got thrown right out, you know, the, the first the first game. So, again, you know, it, I, I sound like a broken record, but the SEC has the, the, they're the best overall talented conference and we've got more ranked teams, more national titles. And, you know, the thing is, if you look at since the conception of the, the playoffs, we have more teams winning trophies than any other conference. Does the, does the ACC have more than one team winning an, uh, a, a CFP title? No. Don't and, and it's and, – and the thing is, Chris, is that – I think why people feel that there's bias and, you know, I always look at this because I like the, you know, I like the news and I watch, I try to watch all it's when people throw the word around bias, there's a lot of bias, but 
be specific in the bias. What and I always say this, what specifically what specifically do people complain about the SEC? Is that people say, Oh, you're no more than Alabama and all of but when you put forth LSU, when you put forth what we've done the last fifteen the last two decades, and we're entering a new decade, I think the problem I think the, the problem is this, Chris, is that when people say that there's we, you know, like you or me, you know, we're like, we're like, you know, our buddy Derek called, you know, he called me Shannon Sharp and, you you know, you Stephen A. And we're sitting here on this and we're sitting on, you know, and we're on, you know, we're in this pulpit trying to tell people that, listen, listen, we say the SEC is 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 great because of the numbers. Yeah, it's 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 numbers. It's not that it's not like if you it's not like what you read sometimes. It's not like propaganda. And people have under different. Like, it's not like propaganda was saying, well, "We're the best because no, it's because of numbers." And I tell people, when you put, is it? Re- I tell people, think about this. Yes, there are bad teams everywhere. There are bad teams in every conference. There's at least two, maybe three bad teams in every conference every single year. Unequivocally, it's just like I said in the '90s. Like we use the '90s music. You know, listen, I was the guy who said, listen, we already have NSYNC. We already got the Backy Boys. O-Town can, 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 can go because th- nobody needs Nick Lachey. He's a good dude, but, you know, we're good. And the reason why we do that, Chris, is called survival of the fittest. Is that when you look at the, the Power Five conferences, Chris, who survived at least ever, who survived the last, at least as one of the top two teams, the last decade? It's survival, yeah. the, it's survival of the fittest. It, it's, we've done it. We've done it through our history. Sports is no different. We, you weed out the best. That's the job of sports. It's the job, life does it in its own little way. And the reason why people say, oh, there's a bias. Well, I'm sorry if bias is being one of the, the, the better teams left in the tournament or in the playoff. That's numbers. It's because there's no doubt about it. Listen, I, and I and I and I mentioned this point. I think with the ACC, I said, "Who's the second best team in the ACC?" Nobody can give me a definitive answer. Yeah, exactly. I say the same thing for for the Big Ten. You get somewhat of a definitive answer. You say, "Oh, well, maybe Penn State, maybe Wisconsin," and look what happens. Like who? Does, you know, my point is is that we, we can sit here and argue semantics, but the fact of the matter is. If you can't come at me with, it's facts. If the SEC buys is based on facts, the you know I can argue like Florida finished sixth in the country, and we could have easily if we just you know be listen the teams we lost to, we lost to Georgia and we lost to LSU. We didn't lose to you know, I'm not going to call out certain schools you know Miami losing to FIU, but the point is is that. We lost the two top five teams that played each other in the bowl game. The one I, LSU we straight out lost to. I think the refs had a, a helping hand in Georgia's victory yeah. being secured because you know apparently a ball can bounce off the ground and in someone's hands to be called a completed pass. But you know that's next season. Um, but yeah, I mean there there's there's proof in the pudding, you know, in in all the ways around it, and we. We could talk about it until we're blue in the face, but the number, like you said, the numbers speak for themselves. And uh, 
you know, like I said, LSU, congrats on uh, on bringing a title home. You guys deserve it. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Uh, you know, we got we got our boy Burrow smoking a stogie on the couch. He's uh, yeah, celebrating man. his last, probably his last victory as a quarterback for the next year or two. Yeah. <laughs> Does, enjoy, uh, enjoy it, buddy. Go, yeah, he just he knows that his fate is sealed going to Cincinnati. So that poor guy, but. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps up college this season. It, it was a great season, a lot of ups, a lot of downs and twists and turns. And watching teams be high and mighty because they beat up on little midget schools fall when it matters, that's all it counts. It, it, it's it the does. part of the season. It, and, you know, to, to put a bow on it, you know, the ups and downs, listen, uh, <laughs> you know, like I say, it's, you know, I'm not going to repeat the numbers, but I just want to, to go off on a smoother transition. Is that, you know, even when it comes, like, to mascots, Chris, we got better mascots. Like, listen, you know, better budget, better. I mean, we have actually have live mascots sometimes. And listen, I don't know why you bring a live tiger to a stadium, but listen, I'm glad they brought the other tiger. But did you see Clemson's tiger, Chris? Like, <laughs> listen, I don't know what – I, I don't know what the budget – you know, listen, I'm no pecuniary expert, but, you know, I told, I think I said on social media, y'all need to leave Tony the Tiger's cousin Joey alone. It's not his fault he looks like that. Listen, cosmetic surgery is not what it used to be, folks. No. I mean, I mean, you put down two grand, I mean, you get you get a grand worth of work. That, that, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you only got one titty. You didn't get both titties. Exactly. Oh, that's extra. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Can I just make one giant boot? That's not how it works. Well, let's experiment. How about the side clock? That doesn't work that way. Yeah, but, no, that's, uh, they need a. I, I saw somebody started a GoFundMe page. They did. To get this guy a new costume. And I got real close to putting money to him. Like, no, dear, don't do it. Don't do it. But, but speaking of putting in time and money, I want to transition into someone who's putting a lot of time equally on the field. And as he did in this community, and that's Marshawn Lynch. And I know you had some things to say you about know, that, so I'll transition that to you. Yeah, man. I have always been a fan of Marshawn Lynch from when he stole his that golf cart at the at Cal during the game and he's driving <laughs> around. Uh, like that was that was just hilarious. But you know what? Not only was he a good player on the field. He he was a role model because he could go out there, play for 60 minutes, and not act like an asshole, not have negative press. He did press conferences because he had to, and he would just sit there and stare at you and be like, well, you already know why I'm here. Two minutes and 10 seconds, two minutes and five seconds. You know, he just did not want – he wanted to play football. That's all he wanted to do. He didn't want to do all the bullshit that goes with it. He just wanted to play the game. He uh, he got hurt one good time, and I think that, um, I don't want to say triggered, but pushed him in a direction of, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to get out while the getting's good. Um, and he got out. Now, the cool thing is, so Lynch, he's 33 years old, and he didn't touch an ounce of his NFL salary until he retired. He, 
he solely all the, the weird shit he bought and and things he did was 100% off of his sponsorships. Uh Gatorade, Skittles, whatever. Uh that's what he his that was his play money. Now for his actual core NFL contracts and signing bonus and Super Bowl winning bonuses and all that other stuff that they get, he kept it in the bank and he is so smart financially. He might talk like a like an uneducated hood rat, but the man is just so brilliant. And the speech that he gave in that post-game interview, it wasn't so much as, hey, how do you feel about this game? It's like, yo, Young Bucks, listen to me. And he said, take care of your chicken, uh, which I guess equivalates into money. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, to take care of your mind, take care of your body, but take care of your money. You know, where a lot of people go wrong and when they make millions and millions of dollars, and we see it all the time, professional athletes, rock stars, stockbrokers, people that win the lottery, they'll get this buku payout and get millions and millions and millions of dollars and in two years have nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. Look at people that win the lottery. They get $100 million and they piss it away in a couple of years and what do you have left? You don't have a damn thing left. Uh Allen Iverson is probably one of the most prime examples of financial failure in in professional sports. The guy was at the top. Every kid who liked basketball knew who Allen Iverson was. Every household that watched basketball knew who Allen Iverson was. He had sweatbands, jerseys, his own shoe line. Let me tell you, the Reebok questions, I remember when I was in... Seventh grade, I had the question twos. I was a big Jordan guy. I always had new Jordans. But I remember when the, when the questions came out, like, I thought that they were the coolest looking shoes. And I was like, Mom, these are like, I need these. And the little spoiled brat that I was as a young lad, my mom went out and copped those things for me. And with all of that financial growth of shoe deals from Reebok and the sweatbands and jersey sales and royalties and his NBA contract. That dude's brokering shit now. He's like playing like in the Puerto Rican basketball league the last time I heard about him or something. You know, um, the the message that Marshawn gave to the young athletes just to take care of your your body, of your mind, of your, your financial situation um, that that speaks volumes, and I, I hope that the the younger players that were recently drafted or their their rookie contracts are getting ready to expire, or players like Burrow who are coming into the NFL, I hope they heard that, and I hope they take his advice because there's so many people that will go out and get all this money and piss it away and not save. Now I'm not saying to go play the stock market and have all these 401s and IRAs and and all this. But do you need like a pet tiger with 18 Lamborghinis, 15 houses and a healthy dosage of hookers and 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 Viagra like Lamar Odom did? I mean, I think we should probably steer away from some of that. But just just the message that Lynch gave out, I I thought was just inspiring and it's whether you're a professional athlete or a regular guy like you and me you know just be smart with your money don't do dumb shit you know uh, in the words of marshawn lynch take care of your chicken yeah. uh, you know uh, absolutely chris and you know i saw it 
And when he said, you know, with the chickens, I knew what he meant. Because, you know, one of the things, Chris, it reminded me of, not Al Iverson, but also reminded me of Antoine Walker. He's played for the Celtics. Yes. And, and this dude, and th- I, I, I'll do a compare and contrast. Now, Antoine Walker went to Kentucky. Now, Jamal Mashburn also went to Kentucky. So, you know, listen, I'm not, that's the most time Kentucky get on this show. But the point is, is that, unless it's, those of you got a fried chicken sponsorship, but, but the, I guess that's not going to happen. Okay, so then forget it. So, but the point is, is that Antoine Walker had, had a huge deal, had a huge contract. And the next thing you know, this dude was, you know, he's doing the little bright, you know, but this dude was playing, I think, also in that same Puerto Rican league a couple of years after he went. He went broke within like two, three years. And what Marshall Lynch was trying to tell people was, was is that, you know, enticement's always going to be out there. And this is a life theory that I've had to learn. And mind you, you know, knock on wood, I'll be 32 years old this year. We're getting old, Chris. We're getting old. But, you know. Preaching the choir, bud. And and one of the things that I've learned and hope to continue to learn in this in this life, but one thing that I've learned is about quality versus quantity. One of the things that I think many people and athletes, and you brought up the point, they would rather have, you know, a, like Tyson had like what Bengal tigers, like he's the like he's the zoo, <laughs> and and then you know not forgetting the how the upkeep. And he blew his money, but listen, he's back on the right track. Like Tony Braxton, and listen, when I say these things, I'm not knocking them, but listen, they did it, and they'll admit to that they did it. Like Tony Braxton, you know, she had, I think she had property in like Vegas or somewhere. She had houses, and she forgot to pay the tax on it, Chris. She thought that she could just literally take a bag of money, buy it, and then just say that was it. And that was it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, I'll just. And Nick Cage, well, that's the joke in itself. But the point is, is that, you know, check your local, uh, your red boxes for a, a good Nick Cage movie. So the, he's probably got like 10 of them as we speak. But the point is, is that Marshall Lynch, he speaks like that because we have to understand, as like you say, as human beings, as athletes. At the end of the day, Chris, it's about what we have, not what we have now, but what we have in 10, 15 years. And I think most people think in the moment. And I think that's a lot what's wrong with this country is, is that, you know, and I'm not trying to put everybody in a bubble with most people. You think in the moment, like you buy this car and understanding about depreciation and car. And, and we tend to forget the long term. Like some people have cars like that, Chris. I've seen people had a car and it lasted them five years. And I've seen people had the same car for 20 years. Yeah. Because, because you think long term, Marshawn Lynch was trying to tell young people, think long term. And I think that this belong. I think what needs to happen, this needs to happen as someone who loves education, someone who's been tutoring, you know, for almost 10 years. One of the things, Chris, that I've always believed in. A financial class. Financial, exactly. Financial management. And you need to have, and this should start, you know, at middle school, high school. You need to have someone either from a bank, someone from, you know, you know, I can't think of the name of the place off the top of my head, like a Wells Fargo, somebody, you know, somebody, you know, who understands Franklin Morgan, someone who understands money. Teach, Chris, some people don't know how to how to balance a checkbook because yeah. they they feel like, oh, I'll just use my card. Oh, that's great. But wait till you look at your credit score when you don't 
And Marshall is trying to tell young people, listen, be smart. Quality. Quantity. You can have a, a nice, good old pickup truck that last you 15 years, as opposed to a Lamborghini that could last you five, and you probably put in a cool at least 200K into that Lamborghini, and you probably can get a, a good, decent truck for maybe 40K. Yeah. And get more out of it. And he was trying to teach financial responsibility. And like you say, Chris, I think a class is ideal for that. And and I, and I, and I very much like that topic because when I saw it, I said it had to be discussed. Even like with some of our listeners, it could help, it could help people because I think we get caught up in we make money, we got to spend it. Yeah, well, think- that's that's something that uh, uh, I've had a few few personal friends reach out and and talk about it and say, hey, you know, um, asking me about their uh, their credit or four hundred one ks things like that. I mean, I I'm definitely no financial expert in any shape, form, or fashion. I won't I won't say I will. I'm I'm lucky to be in the position I'm in. I won't deny that, but by no means am I a financial professional uh but you know i I try to give the advice when i can and yeah i mean it's exactly what uh what lynch said just just save your money don't don't go buying tigers and shit there's nothing wrong with spoiling yourself you know you get a big bonus from work you know you take a couple thousand you want to go on a trip to i don't know italy or australia just not maybe not when australia is on fire but something like that yeah go for it but you don't need 18 lamborghinis and, and and I think that that was the bigger message, because like you said, I'm no financial wizard either, because I remember my, my dad telling me years ago about 401ks. And you don't think about that when you're a teenager. You don't think about Absolutely that. Absolutely not. But the older I get, I'm like, oh, my old man was right. And trust me, I don't want to hear ever hear me say that. But he, if he listens, you were right. But hopefully I'll just say, you know, but we just put some of that Ed Ogeron footage. Bingo. And that's what, that's what I really said. Not that you were right, Pops. But, but you know, on that note, you know, is there anything else, Chris, that you, you want to talk about? Because I think that was very good what we talked about. I think it was very, it was, I think it was very important. I can't stress that enough. So Someone, you have one, you, so you have one very recognizable NFL player, Marshawn Lynch, giving financial advice and making sense of himself. You have another very famous NFL player handing out fake money at, at <laughs> the national championship. I don't know if you saw this article of uh, Odell Beckham handing out fake money to LSU players. Yeah, and I'm like, bro, it's like, I mean, he needs to get out of Cleveland. Like, I mean, it's, it's something in that it's something in that state. Like, it, when your most successful team is is maybe the Indians, it's time to quit. That, that's all I'm saying. It's yeah. Like, it's like when you, gotta, when, when you sit around and say, Oh man, we can't wait till Indian season to start. It's, I'm not saying hit the panic button, but it's something in the water there. He's, I'm like, this dude is not he, like he's the treasury. It, it just felt like he went to the reserve, and just went boom, boom, boom. You know, for all we know, Chris, you know, his ego, he probably had his face on the money. So, no, man. if you actually look at, uh, if you look at the the still frame of the video of, of him on the field, it actually looks like a legit. Uh, hundred dollar bill they're thinking it might have just been to get a rise that it was um uh prop money like what they use in like tv and movies and stuff like that 
But still, I mean, but it's just the negative image that that could incur on LSU that you have someone literally handing money out to players on a camera. Yeah, it's collegiate athletes like, dude, just stop being dumb. Like, you're not relevant anymore, OBJ. You know, go go away. Stop it, doing dumb shit. It, exactly. He hasn't been the same since they went on that boat in Miami. And I already mentioned the Jay-Z. And I think that was the same boat. Uh, so, uh, to me, I think, like, little boot to the rapper, throwing 100K, like, look, people. Like, listen, I remember one moment with Dan Mullen before we get – remember I, when we were at FSU, this had to be – yeah, when, when we were at FSU, this had to be two years ago. And he was doing the, you know, when we, you know, destroyed FSU. It, sorry, Willie Taggart. Sorry, sorry, America. But he was in his post-game interview, and he saw one of the players with the flag. And, he, and the guy was about to put it in the middle of the field. And, and, and Dan stopped him. And Dan Mullen cut off the interview and said, hey, hey. He was like, hey. We don't do that here. Yeah, that's it, it's just just have some class, Odell. That's that's all. Um, speaking of class, because I don't I don't want to focus too much time on Odell because he really just doesn't deserve it. Um, probably one of the classiest players in the NFL actually announced that he is retiring. Uh, as we started doing this episode, uh, Antonio Gates. Uh, from from the uh, the tight end for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, he has finally formally announced at uh, the age of thirty nine that he's going to call uh, quits call it quits in the NFL. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, to Gates. Um, a he's won me a fantasy football title <laughs> back in his prime, so he's he's one of my favorite uh, tight ends. But you know he just. He was one of those guys that every time he was on the field, um, he just gave it his all. Uh, just quick fun fact on him. he um, He's the Chargers career leader in receptions at 955. He has the most receiving yards at 11,841 and the most touchdown receptions at 116. So um, he didn't play last season. Uh, he was an unsigned free agent. However, when he played in uh, 18, he uh, had 28 receptions for 333 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he made a press release says, hey, I want to thank the organization and this and that and the other thing. Um, but like I said, he, he, was just, he was a class act on the field. Uh, he was a class act off the field. Um, him, and, uh, him and Rivers just had awesome chemistry. Uh, so hopefully he enjoys his retirement and, uh, he'll be eligible for the hall of fame vote in 2023. So I would, I would expect to see him go on a first round ballot. Cause I want to say he probably is one of the leading, uh, tight ends of all time, probably right behind, uh, Gonzalez from, from your Falcons or possibly ahead. Yeah. I, I think when I look, Antonio Gates, and I think when it comes to certain positions, in my opinion, you know, Tony Gonzalez, he got in for a lot of the work he did at Kansas City, I believe. And when I think of Antonio Gates, I think of not just one of the better tight ends, but just one of the better, you know, not, not just only people, but one of the better players. And, and, it, and it really, and I, you know, it's one of those guys you root for who didn't get a championship, that triumvirate of, of Rivers, Gates, and Tomlinson. That's yep. probably one of the, the, the not getting not getting to a Super Bowl, I, I think, you know, it was an injustice. 
But when you're in the AFC, and and I'm not going to get that spiel, but you know, but it's you know, you know, a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, calling it a career, and and shifting to the Hall of Fame theme, you know, you know, two of the great coaches that I like for different reasons were you know inducted, going to be inducted into the 2020 class, and you know, you know, first and foremost, Jimmy Johnson from the Dallas Cowboys, when Absolutely. I. When I saw him get inducted, you know, when the guy came, the head of the, of the Pro Football Hall of Fame came, because listen, he sneaked to tag him and Cower, and you know, listen, you know, they're a little older, so you gotta be careful with that. But but the point is, but it was live camera, so I guess it desensitized it. But when and then they talked about their accomplishments, and then I like when they panned to Troy Aikman, who was calling the game, and it was halftime, and he was calling the game, and he was crying. It, it felt like. It kind of felt like Titanic, like he was just crying because Jimmy Johnson wasn't just a great coach. He was a great. He understands that. Listen, he drafted Troy Aikman got drafted by Jimmy. Jimmy rebuilt that organization because it was garbage. It was garbage. And, and there's no disrespect to Cowboys fans. He Jimmy Johnson's a team builder. He went in and got Emmitt. He went and got Troy. Michael, the team that you saw in the 90s. Deserve, you know, Jimmy John, and, and and to me, quite frankly, I think I surprised he wasn't in already. But I'm glad he got in because because if Aikman, Smith, Irvin, and all those guys, and Charles Haley and those guys got in, it was just a matter of time for Jimmy. And I'm happy that he got in because the that was probably the best coach the Dallas Cowboys. I could argue the best coach of the '90s, one of the Absolutely. best coaches, the coach of the '90s. You know, you and and speaking of just good people. You know, Bill Cower. When I saw Bill Cower, you know, when he got inducted, he had his family was there. That's what Bill Cower is. He talked about the Rooney family. He talked about football. He talked about family. That's Bill Cower. And anybody who you talk to, probably, anybody who's ever played for Bill Cower, people tend to forget. A lot of people wanted Bill Cower out of Pittsburgh. He went 6 and 10 a lot of seasons there. But that Rooney family knew that this guy could win us a Super Bowl, and he rewarded that city with the Super Bowl. Yeah, one of the great people, one of the one of the great coaches, and and it was just great seeing those two get it. And when you see the reaction of the players, because I think we talked about this with Coach O, it's that we don't look at them as great coaches, but they're great when you talk about them as coaches they talk about them as people first and that's very important because listen there, there could be a couple of douches who are coaches who are great people you know who are just you know great coaches terrible people but with these two they were you know great coaches and great people and when you hear like when you saw Trayvon crying you saw a grown man crying on national television that let me know how much jimmy meant to him not just as a coach and those super bowls but as a person because mm-hmm. there was there were some low points there are some low points at Dallas. They went one in fifteen, and he stuck around. And you know, once again, congrats to Antonio Gates enjoying his retirement. Congrats to Bill, Bill Cower, and Jimmy Johnson. You know, well deserved Hall of Fame. And before you go, you thought we forgot the trivia. We didn't. And I ran this. I ran this by you know standards and means, aka Chris. So, <laughs> so before we jump to, uh, to oh, yeah. that, 
Oh, go ahead. You have more. Go ahead. How about we talk about Antonio Brown and his his? I, you know what? Uh, I didn't want to because we talked about it before the show, but I'll, I'll let you. Sending number one. <laughs> to, like, I don't even understand how this works. Like, the level of, of I, I kind of want to call it savagery, but then I also don't want to give him that much satisfaction. But sending a bag of dicks to your baby mom. I mean, literally sent a bag. Like, who does that? And then the other thing that really bothered me with him um, is the Hollywood police ended up coming out to his house uh, over a looks like a custody (laughs) dispute with his kids. And he's yelling at the cops. So, number one, what bothers me is that there are a million kids in America right now or more that have a copy of Madden 19 with his face on it. They play it every day, religiously. And there's a bunch of kids walking around in his jerseys right now, I bet. Well, maybe not right now, but before all this bullshit happened. And you, as an athlete, I think, I I, I personally think that you just have to be held to a higher standard than than the average bear does. And his his outbursts like that and screaming at the police like that I, a number one it's not professional b there's a child present i might have the mouth of a sailor and say some real off the wall shit i won't do it in front of kids you know when i'm over I, you know my best friend's got four kids when i'm over there i watch what i'm saying or at least i try to for the most part um or even in front of any child not just his but any child i usually try to watch my mouth around it um but to go out and and talk like that, number one, in front of your own personal kids, and then number two, to record it so the whole world can see it. Like, there's kids that did look up to him. I think that might have been his nail in the coffin. It's just disrespectful. And on top of that, those cops are just out there trying to do their job. They didn't want to go to his house. They damn well probably didn't want to be on that call. But they signed up to do that kind of stuff to deal with, with little pricks like him. And uh, just, just a very, very poor taste. And if that doesn't solidify the end of his NFL career, I don't know what will. I would not, even if I had no active receivers on my roster, I would I would just throw to a tight end or I would be like the Navy and run the ball every single play. Before, and I, I, before you give it to AB. You know, I, I think, and I think I said this after the whole incident with New England. I think I said it, and I stood on record and said he will not get signed again in the National Football League because because once New England lets you go, that's pretty much it. Be, because New England has let in a lot of different personalities in that locker room over the last you know twenty years, and and if and if Antonio Brown didn't work in there, if you think about it, Chris. He was with two, I could argue, two of the best franchises of the last of the last twenty years. He was with he was a Steeler, he was a Patriot. And neither one wanted them. He made a he made a fuss in, in Pittsburgh and he and he and he got out. He went to Oakland. We know how that went. And then he ended up in New England, didn't work. I think, Chris, you, you speak to the point that listen, character matters. And yeah. this is character and this is why I say the Bengals were terrible. Because Marvin Lewis, you know, listen, he was drafting player. He wasn't drafting character. And remember Pac-Man Jones, folks? That's all I got to say. Like, Bontes Perfect, he wasn't – listen, 
at some point character matters. I don't yeah. care what I don't care what job. Listen, I put it like this, and I'll say this before I get to the trivia question. There's a quote by Albert Einstein that says, "Be a man. Don't try to be a man of success, but be a man of value." Because Antonio Brown proved the point that look how successful Antonio Brown is, Chris, and he's out of a job because yeah. he's not because he's not valuable. He's not valued because his character is terrible. There are many people walking around today who 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 feel like they get this and get that because Chris, they could be successful people, and and you you know you've been you've been with successful people. I've been with a couple, not as many as you have, but. But how many of those people are valuable? Like, you could have successful people in front of you, but value. It's like, at the end of the day, if they screwed up enough, are they valuable enough to keep it? And, and, and to, to the Steelers and to the Raiders and to the Patriots, the answer was no. He wasn't valuable. Period. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and for the record, folks, the guy shares my name. My middle name's Antonio, and you know my last name. I'm not gonna get into that. It's a color. So, but but the point is, is that I used to be like, okay, this dude is great, and then he started doing this. And you know what? Like you say, you're doing it in front of kids. The cops are there. They're doing their job. They don't want to take that call. But you know, there's a civic duty. He, you just, know, just try to have some class if you're gonna be out in public. Don't don't act like an ass. Exactly, and even the, when the X, and the XFL is not going to touch you, Chad Johnson has a better chance getting it as a kicker than you do as a receiver. So think about that, America. Think about that, Antonio Brown, because nobody. When New England let you go, and I stand by it like I just said, he was never going to get another job. When you're at certain careers and certain companies, Chris, if it doesn't work there, where else is it going to work? If 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 you got fired at if you got fired at, you know, Microsoft for being a douche, what makes you think someone's going to pick you up? And they're saying, yeah. well, how, why you were at Microsoft? What did you do to screw up? And then, like, and then I'm like, uh, we can't take you. Not because your resume is terrible, because your character's terrible. Period. That's why I say, and that's, a, and I think, I think we're getting out a lot of PBS lessons here today. You know, <laughs> from, from financial lessons to people advice. Listen, people, be people of six. Try to be a person of value. Make don't people, be an asshole. Bingo. Don't make people be like to the point where, oh, man. Like people, you can, people can tolerate you as long as you're valuable. There are a lot of people like, oh, well, we can't lose him or her. But don't be that person where you just make yourself very expendable by being like Chris said. Because don't listen, be an asshole. And that's going to be on a poster, and it should be. But, <laughs> yeah, I, but it, like, I need like like what you know like those inspirational quotes that you see with like real like serenic views and things like that. Yeah. Oh, like <laughs> just like just like I, I, I want to get like a giant mountain, and it just like like Mount Olympia in Washington State, and then just a caption instead of like tough times make tough people or don't give up until you're at the top. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, you know what? I think I got some research on my hands to do. Excellent. But, but the last I, thing I'm going to touch on, speaking of assholes, and then we'll hit trivia, and then we'll uh, be off like a prom dress. Don't be an asshole like uh, Mr. Zora from our friends at uh, the Red Sox and the Astros, and well, everywhere else he's touched. So in the news, the Astros have been accused and actually proven of cheating. 
Um, they were using in-stadium software and equipment. So you know the the different cam, like the infield cameras and things like that that they have mm-hmm. for the strike zone and uh, for like replay and things like that. Are yeah, you, yeah, I, you, yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, I, I know what you're yeah, I know I know that they haven't like in the outfields with like center field and places like that as well, I think. Yeah. They haven't like, specific locations, yeah. So apparently the Houston Astros in their twenty seventeen uh season, when they won their first World Series, thought it would be a great idea. They came up with this elaborate system to be able to steal the sign calls between the because as you know so when they're getting ready to pitch uh they usually have a set schedule of pitches that they're going to throw to players of course naturally before they you know get out on the field uh-huh. uh, the the bench will sign to the catcher the catcher will throw his finger signs to the pitcher that's how they figure out which pitch it's not all jedi mind tricks there's actually secret communications there so the astros thought it would be a great idea to break in or do something with the system where they can actually monitor and steal and intercept these calls to be able to have the ability to to predict pitches and be ready and of course win. So the the Astros have fired their management staff, the the owner stepped in, um got rid of them, fined them $5 million and also nailed them on a lot of uh, draft picks. So now the, and it makes sense now, because if you remember back to the, the 2017 uh, ALCS, it was them and the Yankees uh-huh. and they had home field advantage. So they, they got more games at home. The Yankees won in Yankee Stadium and Houston won in Houston. And now it makes sense because they had their fucking playbook. Uh, this is some Bill Belichick, uh, you know, type situation here. Um, one of the one of the pitchers that are I think he's playing on the athletics now, I want to say, uh, was the one that came clean about this and and um, and squealed on everybody. So now, you know, they're they're taking severe action. And now, uh, what's his face? Uh, Zora, he's the champion, or not the champion, excuse me. He's the uh, the skipper of the Red Sox. And he was on the Reds. He was the Red Sox uh, helm when they won their World Series. So did he take that same type of, of cheating technology to the Sox? Did, did he pull all sorts of... Uh, of shenanigans in Boston as well? Question mark, question mark, question mark? That, 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 that's a fair question because I think I, I think we talked about this, you know, we talked about a lot of things off, you know, before we record, we prep, and, and we talked about that. And one of the things is is that if, if he took it with him and there's doubt, now you have Dodger fans saying, oh, you know, because with the Red Sox obliterate, you know, there's a reason for that. But I, I think Chris, and this is and this is a point that it ties into with baseball. This is why I've always believed for the last, I think ever since I was, I think I even wrote a paper on it as a kid. That's how nerdy I was. But well, there was a lot of reasons for that. Well, you know me long enough to know that. But I wrote a paper about Pete Rose. 
and I talked about why he should be in the Hall of Fame. Because, listen, I, I am not condoning what Pete Rose did. None of us do. But let, let's be honest. Pete Rose managed, he gambled on his own team. Really, he's the manager. He could put out nine pitchers out in, in, you know, in position. You know, why is the reliever at third base? Then you know he's screwing around and trying to throw the game. But to me, a manager only has so much control over a game in that regard. But when it comes to the technology, and, and, and like you say with a camera, the advent of technology, teams like the Astros, and, and you know, once again, I'm not going to accuse the Red Sox, but it, if Cora was on that staff and he got hired as the manager, I'm, all I'm saying is, folks, is that play connect the dots. But the point is, is that, I think, and it, and it ties me to say that Pete Rose is in the Hall of Fame, and we crucif- baseball crucified him for over 30 years. Yeah, for gambling. For gambling, essentially. It's, it's gambling. Like, we can get the technical, but it was gambling. And mind you, would you rather have someone who gambled, listen, who really didn't have, listen, he's a manager, he could put, like I say, if he was putting a position player out in third base, oh, yeah, if he put like a, you know, why is his closer in center field then you can figure it out but the astros use technology to cheat and they stole signs they like you say stole a playbook and now it throws everything into question and i also believe that i don't know how far rob manfred the commissioner is going to go but do we start looking at that world series do we start I, looking do we do I we start that we start, they'll go in I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. And do we start looking at the same thing at what happened with Michigan with Chris Webber? Do we start taking away championships? Do we start asterisking? What do we do? And, and I'm going to throw that question to you. Do, do you it, 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 am I crazy enough to think that that should happen? Because- Absolutely not. Strip them. Strip them. Strip that one and launch an investigation into Boston immediately because you have a – it's like – if you have a guy that lives in Houston and you find out that he killed people in Houston and he moves to Boston and a bunch of dead people are in Boston with the same type of, of murder, well, I even think TV detectives could uh, connect those dots. And, 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 and that's the way and that's the way I saw it. And I'm like, Listen, they, it, they need to strip those titles away because, you know, it interfered with the game due to the fact of, you know, if, and maybe this is just me being a Yankees fan. Um, if they didn't steal the signs of the Yankees pitching staff, because the Yankees won. And if they won against Houston, Houston beat L.A., could the Yankees have won in L.A. and win the World Series against the Dodgers that year? And and that, to me, Chris, that's a very that's a fair question. And that's same, how I that's a fair question. Same thing the following year when he goes to the Sox, they win a World Series. Is that a legitimate champion? Were they using the same type of of advantage to, due to the the on field technology that they could manipulate the games? And that's essentially what it is, is manipulation. You know what they're going to do. You see the calls, and you can you can counteract it. And, 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 yeah. and what they were doing is that they were watching the calls, and they had a trash can in the dugout they, they would literally beat on, and they came, they came up with a system. 
You know, maybe one beats a fastball, two beats is a curveball. I mean, granted, you still have to hit the ball, but I remember growing up in playing baseball, whether it's a batting cage or even just batting practice, you, when you know what pitch is coming your way and you learn how to read them. So let's just say the co- when I played Little League, our coach taught us how to hit curveballs. Mm-hmm. So the coach would just sit there and throw 20 and 30 curveball at us at a time. We learn to understand and read it. And this is at 10, 11, 12 years old. When you're in your 20s playing professional baseball, you already know how to hit the damn curveball. So if you know it's coming your way, you're, you're sitting back loading up and waiting for it. Um, so, I mean, shame on them. I, I hope that they crucify them to the, the fullest extent of whatever baseball law they can. And it, they they show that we don't tolerate this. I mean, it's bad enough we had the steroid scandal mm-hmm. uh, with Jose Canseco and McGuire and Sosa and Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds that I think delegitimized the home run race of the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, see, Mark McGuire did it smart. Even if he did roid it up, he got his 70 home runs and retired and got the hell out of Dodge. Exactly. You know, uh, it wasn't Clemens that denied it refutely and Ben just continued to say no, 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 and gets found that he did. Or A-Rod, who does it, gets caught, then does it again and gets caught like an, like an idiot. Um, it's going to be interesting what the MLB commissioner has to say and what he's going to do. Like I said, they've already fined him. Uh, the the owner of the Astros fired the GM and the coach, and they lost a lot of draft picks for like I want to say like the next two years. Yeah, so, like the first second rounders. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, I, that team is I'm I'm going to say destroyed for the considerable future. Uh, I think they should strip those championships away, move to Boston, and uh, launch an investigation there. Yeah, and and just to say before we wrap up, we get to the question, you know. You, you brought up a good point is, is that when you know something is coming, listen, I play, you know, I play baseball too. And, and one of the things is that, you know, you're taught like, you know, whether it's in practice, how to, you know, curveball sliders. If you know, and you, every player has that one pitch they can knock out of the park. Mm-hmm. You know, for most, for most people, it's a, it could be a fastball inside for some, it could be a slider slider on the, you know, it just, you know, bearing upon, you know, on the on the hitter, but the most important thing is that they teach that you can hit it. You can hit it for power, hit it for contact. But you know how to hit it, especially if you know it's coming. And it kind of and it mitigates scouting reports. I think baseball in its purest thing, to me, baseball has always been my first love. I say that to everybody. Because I was I was, I've been a Cubs fan my whole life pretty much. I know America. But but the point is is that I remember that Sammy Sosa era. I was 11, 12 years old. And I remember Sammy hitting the ball and doing the hop. But I, you know what I also remember? He broke his bat. His bat was corked. And I remember who they played. They played the Rays. And I remember that as a kid. And I'm like, you cheated against the Rays? And I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, and, and then the thing is, Chris, I can remember it like clear. I can remember it clear. I was watching WGN. The ball, like the, you can tell when it's corked. He hit the ball. It was like a little dribbler to the pitcher, you know, and, and pitcher throws him out. And then the umpires come out, look at the bat, and Sosa's gone for like five minutes. And, and I'm like, that's how, to me, Sosa's career, forget the 60 plus home runs, 
Like, why would to me, Chris, baseball's been you know been full of scandal. Like, you can go back to like the the whole the whole white you know, the whole scandal back in 1919 with the World Series. Yeah, Base, baseball's mitigated with scandal, and I think, but you know, I think Chris, it has to be cleaned up, and I think it you know now you add this. This is why people have doubts about baseball. You know, I think you and I, we, I both, I love baseball still, but you know, at some point, you gotta clean it up to the point where, listen, you gotta, you gotta send a message like you did with the Astros and send a message to to the Red Sox because there's no way, like you say, if there's some dead bodies, oh wait a minute, there's some dead bodies over here turning up over here near the Rio Grande. All of a sudden, there's some bodies floating over there near the, you know, no. you know. Yeah, Boston Harbor. Yeah, Harbor, yeah. So it's like it ain't Jack the Ripper. So, so you know, well said there. And but think of things well said. You know, folks, you, you learned a lot here today, folks. You know, Chris, we're, we're teaching people. That's what's about, folks. Do what you I know, can. Yeah, you, know, you know, you know, you know, you know. We're like we're like Mister Rogers, except without the height and the you know sweaters on me are very tight. And I'm so, not like a crazed killer from Vietnam. Bingo, folks. It's called Google, folks, if you don't get what he's saying. But but speaking of things that you can or I hope you don't Google is today's trivia question. And today's trivia question is about it's, it's a football literature. And once again, like I said earlier, I ran it through standards and means, crits. So he said to run with the question because that's what partnership was. So, so here's the question for you guys, and I'll repeat it again, and you'll probably hear it early on in the episode because that's how technology works. So your question is, what's the commonality between these quarterbacks? John Elway, Terry Bradshaw, Otto Graham, Steve Fuller, David Woodley. I'll repeat, I'll repeat the quarterbacks' names again. John Elway. Terry Bradshaw, Otto Graham, Steve Fuller, David Woodley. So your question once again is, what's the commonality between these quarterbacks? I'll give you a clue. Think college. There's a college correlation to this list. So I hope that, you know, I hope I didn't stump you. I hope if you really, if you sit down and think about it, especially two of those quarterbacks, I'll, I'll I'll give you an even greater clue. Think recent, collegiately, and it should lead you to the answer. If you, I'm not going to give it away, but that's something to think about. So that that's the trivia question, folks. And I don't know, Chris, do you have do you have any idea what the answer is? Uh you know what? This one, no. I'm going to have to do some soul searching and uh, and and figure out uh, how I'm going to how I'm going to come about this because I. Even this one's got me uh, thrown for a loop. Because it's one of those questions that it's kind of like with that, with the when you gave the the Sam Darnold to Tom Brady and the no playoff wins. Like as snarky as it was, I was still thinking about it. And I said it can't be that simple, <laughs> and, it, and it was, and it was. Oh, for the record, Ryan Tannehill, fun fact, has more playoff wins this decade than Tom Brady. So that's wait, a fun. Wait. So that's a fun fact for your kids at home and for you all in the Boston, you know, in the tri-state area. But speaking of, of having fun in the tri-state, the fun ends here. And the next time we talk to you on Sports of the World Football Edition, we will know who's going to the Super Bowl 
And and for the record, our predictions I think are locked in at I have I have San Francisco and Kansas City. And who do you have, Chris? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go the opposite. I'm gonna go Green Bay and Tennessee. Ah man. I think, I think the underdog is gonna uh I think the underdog's gonna come through. I, I think he has Hoosiers on on his DVD, but but, <laughs> but uh, until until we until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And be real, be you, and be blessed here from Sports in the World Football Edition. See ya. I'm Ladarius Brown. And on behalf of Chris and myself, we both want to thank you for listening to Sports of the World Football Edition, wherever podcasts can be heard. If you have any comments, thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent, head over to our social media at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. Head over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World, to go to the About tab, listen to every episode, check out the content, leave your thoughts and comments there as well. Once again, we thank you for your time listening to Sports in the World Football Edition.